Welcome to another episode of Mormon Discussion Podcast. I am your host, Bill Real. I'm grateful for this chance to sit down with you today. Um, we've been doing a few episodes on Mormon absurdities. This will not be one of those. Um, but we will uh, talk today about free agency. And um, I, I got to be able to put up on the screen here. Let me uh, kind of talk this out for a second, though. So I... I've been thinking a lot lately about um, a recent, uh, and not super recent, it was actually maybe a year or two ago, but uh, Elder Bednar, David Bednar, member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, is teaching something on, um, on agency and how free agency isn't real once you join the church and get baptized, that you no longer have that. And so... I want to play that clip today, and then we can talk about uh, how agency is framed inside the church and whether what David Bednar is teaching here uh, actually makes any sort of sense. Um, and so we'll do that here. I just, what I need to be able to do here is share the audio from the screen. It's going to take me just a second. And so there's this, and uh, we'll play this uh, sound. We used this on uh, Mormonism Live episode this week, and it was that episode, and then me being at work yesterday with uh, with my friend Chris, and we were just talking out this talk, and it becomes obvious that this talk has or this this teaching that Bednar gives here in this you know regional conference or whatever. It's in a, I believe, a Spanish speaking area. Um, so the the video here is chopped up because in between the chopped portions, there's a a, a translation being given to uh, the people present in their native tongue. Um, but here's Elder David Bednar on agency. The principle of moral agency is the least understood of all gospel principles. It is taught incorrectly often and it leads people to behave in ways that are not appropriate as i listen to members of the church all over the world this is how they define agency it's the ability to choose and i can do what i want that's false why do we have agency go find in the pearl of great price in the book of moses god's explanation for why we have agency like it is to choose him not to choose what we want, but to choose God and to love and serve each other. Now, buckle up. Are you buckled up? Okay, here we go. When you and I enter the baptismal covenants, there are three conditions of the covenant. A willingness to take upon ourselves the name of Christ. A commitment to always remember him and a commitment to keep the commandments. We learn about those elements of the covenant and we exercise our agency to accept those conditions of the covenant. We then are promised that if we honor the covenant, we may always have God's spirit to be with us. Okay. As we pledge our willingness to take upon ourselves the name of Christ, that begins in the waters of baptism. It begins. We do not wholly and totally take upon ourselves the name of Christ in the waters of baptism. We begin. Where do we more fully take upon ourselves the name of Christ? In templo. There's a pathway from the baptismal font to the templo. Al templo. 
And there is increasing blessings by the power of the Holy Ghost that come into our life. As we begin to have the name of Christ come upon us through ordinances and covenants, we have a new family name, Christian. And with that name, we are to represent him at all times and in all places and in all things. Now, this is why you need to be buckled up. When we enter into that covenant and begin to have the name of Christ come upon us, our agency is enlarged. It's no longer individual agency. It is enlarged to become representative agency and representing Christ and his name at all times, in all places, and, and in all things, becomes more important than what we want. The reason we need to always remember him is so we can effectively represent him. The reason we need the companionship of the Holy Ghost, yes, that blesses us, but we need that companionship of the third member of the Godhead so we can represent him. We have already pledged that we will keep the commandments. Have you heard someone say, a member of the church who has entered into the baptismal covenant, I have my agency, I can do what I want. You ever heard that? Yeah, you know what the answer is? No, you can't. You don't understand agency. You don't have agency to do whatever you want. We have the hymn, Choose the Right, don't we? In Espanol? Tenemos el himno, Haz tu lo justo. The hymn is called Choose the Right, not Choose What You Want. So from tonight on, don't ever use a misunderstood concept of agency to justify sin. You can't just choose what you want. And when you begin to understand that principio, then you're on the road to becoming spiritually self-reliant, dependent upon God and devoted to representing him all the time. Now, I want to say this in terms that I hope won't be scary, but they're true. If after having entered into the covenant, we don't abide by the conditions of the covenant. So, for example, if you and I don't pay our tithing, do we have the option not to pay our tithing? Nope. No. It's breaking a covenant. It is not the exercise of agency anymore. Because what happened to our individual agency? It was enlarged. Now it's more important to represent him. Is this making sense? If some night you don't want to go to sleep, read the scriptures and learn about what happens to covenant breakers. I guarantee you, you will not go to sleep. Now, I don't want to scare you, but I want you to understand this is serious. Agency is the center point of our mortal experience. With that, agent, with that agency, we are agents to act. That's self-reliance. We are not objects to be acted upon. That is the absence of self-reliance. Now, go find more in the scriptures. That's just the beginning. All right. So let me put myself here back up on the screen. Um, it, it's. I want to talk for a moment about this. So first off, it's creating, um, for me, a straw man. Uh, in that, um, when he says that folks are uh, thinking that the argument is, "Hey, I have free agency. I'm I'm have agency to do whatever I want to do." That just doesn't make sense. the The way I was raised in Mormonism, and and again, I joined as a 17 year old, so I don't have um, young men's or not much of it, young men's or primary for sure. Um, so I, I don't have that sort of thing that happened. But 
from my young adulthood growing up in Mormonism, it wasn't the idea that, oh, I'm free to do whatever the hell I want. And if I, and if I do this or do that, there's no consequences. Like he's creating a straw man. And the reality is that the way you and I frame agency, and he knows this, he could speak to this, but that's not the way he wants to frame it. Because often when people try to manipulate you into doing something, they will create a false idea of what it is you shouldn't choose. And what he's suggesting is this idea that you're free to do whatever the hell you want the way you and I were raised to think about it is that you and I have agency. The, the gospel offers us uh, values, morality. It offers us opportunities to serve it. Um, for a guy, it gives you priesthood or the power and authority to act in God's name. So we get these chances to use that priesthood to bless the people around us. And I saw agency as like the church gives me all of this good foundation stuff. It teaches me every Sunday what it means to be a good human being. And then I go out into the world and I get the chance, the space to make decisions, good and bad. And if I really do desire to be like um, my Savior, Jesus Christ, if I really do want to return to live with my Heavenly Father then I'm going to naturally feel pressure inside to, to do the right things. I'm going to have to be reflective about um, the way that I treat my wife or the way I treat my kids and uh, what kind of worker I am at my job and how much time and preparation I put into my callings and how much effort I make to lift others up. So the way he should have framed it is uh, agency for the members of the church, that there are many members of the church who understand agency as the ability to choose for oneself without being manipulated so that that can be a fair testing ground where one gets to choose from good and evil and to show their heavenly father their willingness to be obedient to the good characteristics and good values that God gives us, but that we have freedom to go like, you know what? I don't think on this thing I'm going to do because it does not feel healthy for me to do it. So for instance, if, if in the church, somebody says like, Hey, we'd really like you to do this and serve at the temple. Um, I get to go, you know, serving in the temple is a great thing, but you know, that's my dad's birthday and uh, my dad's got this going on and we're all um, we're all going to be there for a birthday party for him. And, and so I'm going to make the decision that this is the place I need to be in spite of the fact that I have this opportunity being presented to me to be at the temple. What he does is he says that, you know, free agency isn't a real thing, that you have moral agency or representative agency, meaning that you... Um, once you get baptized, you have made an agreement with God that you will do what Christ would do. You will do what God will do. And what Elder Bednar certainly means is that you will do what the church tells you to do. And so the church lays out the rules and the commandments. It's the mediator for between um, you and God. It's the one that decides 
what God would have you do, and your job is to listen to them and to do what they tell you. And I just want to talk for a moment, because you'll see this um, show up more egregiously in the modern moment with this whole issue going on where kids are being told, male kids are being told they have to go on a mission. And so it's important because it's Elder Bednar's teaching here that is being used to manipulate and coerce uh, male members of the church to feel guilt and shame that they have to go on a mission. And, and we'll see that. I also want to note here, when Elder Bednar says, you agreed at baptism to do these things, let's talk about that. First off, there are two groups of people who are agreeing to that at baptism. One is seven-year-olds who are born in the covenant, who are getting ready to be baptized when they are eight years old. Can a seven or eight-year-old kid take on a lifelong commitment where they are obligated to do everything that Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, tell them to do through the church. In other words, Mormonism comes along and goes, we represent God, and from here on out, you are obligated, once you are baptized, to do what we tell you to do. And you made that agreement as a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, getting ready for baptism. Now, keep in mind, a seven or eight-year-old might still believe in Santa Claus. Keep in mind that a seven or eight-year-old certainly can't enter into any sort of agreement consensually. Um, recognize that uh, getting baptized as a seven, eight-year-old kid in the LDS church, I say seven because you're preparing for it, your eighth birthday hits, and boom, you get baptized at the very front end of your eighth birthday. And so, if getting baptized is a legitimate choice that one can make, then please notice that all eight-year-olds in Mormonism make the choice to be baptized. So is it really a choice if everybody chooses it? And then all you have to do is think about it one step further, which is if you have all these eight-year-olds who choose to be baptized, if we wait till those eight-year-olds are 25 years old, how many of them would be baptized? If, if how many of those eight-year-olds, if they grew up outside the church and at 25 years old, the missionaries came knocking and what would their response be? How many of those folks would listen to the gospel message from the Mormon church and would decide to get baptized? And so you recognize that when you alter the circumstances of any individual human the reality is that in most situations, they would be highly unlikely to join the LDS church. But when we get them where they're already born into it, it's the only lens they have to see the world. Their family is constantly telling them to show up and be a good Mormon. They are invited to be baptized in a place where if they were to say no, they would deeply disappoint their own family. They have a very limited understanding of how the world works. They have a very small lens of what is real and what isn't, and they have been inoculated and I don't want to say brainwashed because uh, that word has kind of a negative connotation, but they have been heavily influenced to see Mormonism the way Mormonism would want them to see it. To the extent where we say it's a choice for an eight-year-old to get baptized, but then, again, all eight-year-olds get baptized. 
And so to tell an eight-year-old who probably still believes in Santa Claus, who can't give consent or make an informed decision, who has a very limited understanding of how the world works and what his religion really is, and then tell him that on that day, he makes this lifelong commitment to do everything that Christ and God ask him to do to the point where he no longer has agency to do what he wants, but instead he is obligated to do what God wants him to do because he now has moral agency or even better yet, representative agency. Number So there's, there's the kids. That's the one category. Are those born in the covenant seven, eight years old? The second category is potential investigators. So the Missionaries show up, knock on a door, and a person or a family lets them in to teach them. The question here is, does the church teach its investigators that when they get baptized, they will lose their free agency? And again, the church I, I should be noted here, um, and I'll put this up on the screen. We can talk about this for a moment. Um, we'll do it this way. So one of the websites that I think are really interesting and that every member or person who's left the church should put up in their bookmarks bar is this lds-general-conference.org. And what you can do is you go in and it is a search bar and you can put in whatever word you want. There I put free agency. It comes up by decades, so I can go back as far as the 1850s. These are all general conferences. Excuse me. These are all general conference talks. 773 times the word free age, the phrase free agency is used. Three times in the 1850s, zero in the 1860s, apparently, nine in the 1870s, 23, the 1880s, 12 in the 1890s, 29 in the 1900s. And then it starts amping up. You got 27, 34, 70 in the 1930s, 133 in the 40s, down to 86 in the 50s, 138 in the 60s, 123 in the 70s, 1980s is 65, 1990s is 16. And what happens is in the early 1990s, Boyd K. Packer gives a talk where he tells the church that free agency is not really the right word. That free agency is not used in the scriptures once, that the only phrase we get in the scriptures is moral agency. And from that point forward, the church begins to deeply let go of the term free agency. So the 1980s, 1990s, the 2000s was only four, and 2010 is once. Um, so far in the 2020s, nothing. And so you can see where the church teaches something for a time period, it can uh, become uh, prevalent in the milieu of Mormonism at that time, and then it can disappear. And I note this because we're going to talk about how Mormonism framed agency when I joined the church. Um, I think I can speak for folks like Radio Free Mormon who would say, yeah, Bill, this is how I learned what agency was as well. And there's this time period where agency, even going back to the beginning, at least they're mentioning it, but all, and we'll use quotes from back then, uh, you're going to see how agency was presented and you're going to recognize what Elder Bednar clearly is doing 
Um, and you can see the church adopting that, whether under his direction or whether um, other folks in the Quorum of the Twelve and the First Presidency, but you can see where they are taking the way he taught that and they are trying to use it to teach Mormons a different doctrine and a different theology than was ever taught before and use it to uh, coerce and to manipulate people into doing what they want them to do in the here and now. And so there's that. Um, you can see here all these references from the 1970s, the 1980s, the 1990s. And so we'll get to some of those uh, here in a moment um, and kind of expound on those. So the first one, and we should note again, let me go back and say the that we're not preparing investigators. Um, an investigator should have the missionaries tell them clearly, here's what's about to happen. You are about to join the true and living church upon the earth with which the Lord is well pleased. And um, when you get baptized, you are going to lose your agency. Again, the reason I went off on the tangent was to say that we had taught free agency prevalently all throughout the church for decade upon decade upon decade. In the early 1990s, Boyd K. Packer comes along and says, we've been doing it wrong Free agency isn't a thing. We have moral agency. But the definition of agency didn't change. Just the title in the early 1990s. What you're seeing today is they are now taking the next step and they are changing the definition of agency. And we ought to be clear that, and we'll show this, all throughout the history of the church, the church has said that agency is a certain thing and that agency is essential to the plan of salvation, and that it is extremely different than what Satan was doing in the war in heaven. So there's that. So we'll get to a couple of, uh, a whole handful of talks, by the way, uh, to, to make the point. But let me start by saying what be prior to this moment, what were we as Mormons taught? And it's been a little bit. Again, Mormonism does this thing where it teaches something, and when it realizes it needs to change direction, it'll go through a time of sort of silence. And by the church changing the def or the the title of agency in the 90s, it created this buffer zone where there's this time where the church really isn't talking a ton about agency. And it allows for a generational gap. And now the church can go out to its youth and it can begin to teach a different definition of agency. And so what we're going to do now is establish what it is that the church taught leading up to this moment. Um, and, and so let's do that. First, let's talk about the war in heaven. So the theology that we were presented as investigators and as church members for decades upon decades is that there was a, and again, I, I think that most people today even would still say like, yeah, that's still taught. We still understand it that way. In the pre-mortal life, in the pre-earth life, there was a war in heaven. Heavenly Father presented a plan of salvation and that plan was that everyone would go down to earth, take on a body, and we would all be allowed to make choices. By making choices, we would show our inner desire to 
keep commitments to our father in heaven and to his son and our inner ability to want to be good and to make choices that are good. In other words, we would get to show who we really are by going down and having freedom of choice. Um, Jesus Christ was on board. He also was an advocate for this plan. But the downside of this plan is that some of us were going to get lost. Some of us were going to make bad choices. We were going to um, not make the choices necessary to get back to Heavenly Father. And we would lose our salvation. We would um, We would be resurrected, most likely, but we wouldn't have the highest glory of salvation, meaning exaltation. And uh, so Satan comes along and he says, whoa, 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 I don't like this idea of, of people being lost. So what I think we should do is I've got a different plan I'm going to suggest. And that plan is that I'm going to go down um, and every, you know, we'll all go down, we'll get bodies, but we're all going to be, um, we're all going to be forced to make the right choice. We're all going to be we're all going to have our agency be extremely limited or non-existent. And uh, my plan is going to get everybody back. It's a hell of a good plan. Hence, I'd like to get the glory for that. And God in Christ uh, went ahead with their plan and then punished everybody, um, Satan included, who sided with Satan's plan. And so a third of the host of heaven were... Uh, were lost. And that third never gets a body. And they uh, are the ones who come down here and tempt us to do wrong. There are lots of logical problems with that plan. We can get into that another day, but let's at least acknowledge that Mormonism teaches that and certainly as hell taught that. And this idea that Satan would take away our agency, we would be compelled to make the right choices Hence, we would really never prove ourselves. We would really never grow. The day we die, we would have the same ability and mentality as the day we're born because we'd never really have choices, chances to learn uh, from mistakes, uh, from successes, from making bad choices, from making good choices. And God's plan necessitates that there must be agency at the expense of even losing some of us, maybe even most of us not making it to exaltation. And by the way, you can see, if you sit back and really think about it, how few people really will have the kind of personality that can check all the boxes and be exalted inside a Mormon plan of salvation. And so you can recognize that almost everyone probably will be in one of the lower two kingdoms or in outer darkness. Hence, you can begin to see the competency of the plan of salvation in the first place. But again, the reason Satan's plan was discarded was because it would take away our ability to choose. Now, with that said, Let's go to um, a few of these talks, and uh, I'll share my screen here, and uh, we can talk about these. This is Using Our Free Agency. This is uh, Elder Delbert Stapley. This is 1975 uh, from the April, I believe, General Conference. Um, he talks about 
God's most precious gifts to man is the principle of free agency. Now, again, today's church would say Delbert Stapley was off base. In the title of what he's calling it, but not in the definition. The privilege of choice, which was introduced by God the Eternal Father to all of his spirit children in the pre-mortal life. This occurred in the great council of heaven before the peopling of this earth. The children of God were endowed with freedom of choice. Okay? Uh, the divine plan provided that they be freeborn in the flesh and become heirs to the inalienable birthright of liberty to choose and act for themselves in mortality. It was essential for the eternal progression that they be subjected to the influences of both good and evil. Uh, Second Nephi 2.11, for it must needs be there is an opposition in all things, right? Um, he quotes Bruce R. McConkie here. Um, four great principles must be enforced if there is to be agency. Number one, laws must exist. Number two, opposites must exist. Number three, a knowledge of good and evil must be had by those who are to enjoy agency. So we have to have knowledge of good and evil. But the most uh, important one to what we're talking about today is number four, an unfettered power of choice must prevail. In other words, we must be free to choose between the choices that are before us. We shouldn't uh, have compulsion. We shouldn't be coerced. We shouldn't be manipulated. We shouldn't be forced. Now, there are exceptions given. Brigham Young, for instance, teaches that we can't just have a, a chaotic free-for-all, that there has to be societal laws that uh, have consequences, a.k.a. punishments, for when we make choices that are uh, going to cause societal disruption or uh, hurt other people. So we have to make sure that the system has integrity and we have to make sure that folks aren't being harmed. Outside of that, people should have an unfettered power of choice. Uh, agency is given to man as an essential part of the great plan of redemption. Um, free agency is an everlasting principle which has existed with God for all eternity. It is a gift from him given with the hope with the hope that we will apply it wisely in the conduct of our personal lives. Freedom of choice is a moral agency which we should keep up uppermost in our minds. Uh, this was Wilford Woodruff. Uh, we cannot use our free agency. Okay, so it goes on and on. See if there's anything else here that I want to use. See, there's the part about they should not be able to do anything they want. I think this will suffice. All right. We'll get to this part here in a moment. Um, note, by the way, that uh, every man, woman, and child has a, uh, sorry, has the right to worship God according to the dictates of his own conscience. Each person alone is responsible to his creator for his individual acts. We have to be able to make 
decisions based on our conscience. That's what it means to have agency. And Mormons who, again, if you ask your, if you're younger and you're like, I've never heard that, ask your parents, ask your grandparents. If they've heard the phrase, every man, woman, and child has the right to worship God according to the dictates of his own conscience, each person alone is responsible to his creator for his individual acts. Um, so there's that. Uh, Brigham Young, again, in the thing we just had from Delbert Stately, God gave us the everlasting gospel, the principles of life and salvation, and has left it up to each of us to choose or reject with the understanding that we become responsible to him for the results of our acts. The Lord does not force anyone to embrace the gospel. He will not force them to live it if they have embraced it. They act for themselves. So you have the right to choose to join the church, and then you have the right to make choices within the church, right? He will not force them to live it if they have embraced it. They act for themselves and act from choice. Discourses of Brigham Young, page 57. So then in this uh, in this here, this is Leading the Lord's Way. This is chapter 24. This is currently on the church's website. And we get this quote that comes from Joseph Smith. The quote says, I teach them correct principles and they govern themselves. Um, this Joseph Smith was asked how he gets the Latter-day Saints to stay cohesive and to work towards the common goal uh, that common goals that the church has. And he basically says, like, it's easy. I teach them correct principles and they govern themselves, which is what I was telling you earlier. My understanding of agency is that the church's responsibility is to teach us good values, teach us the characteristics of God and Christ, teach us what uh, is required for salvation, and then let us govern ourselves. There, these words mean things. And when you understand how overwhelming it, the uh, old view of agency was, then you can begin to understand this modern moment and how it's being turned on its head. Leading the Lord's way. I teach them correct principles and govern themselves. And then uh, they give some background from like Zion's camp. Um, and then they get into this lesson. Leaders teach correct principles and help those they lead learn to govern themselves. John Taylor, third president of the church, reported some years ago in Nauvoo. He talks about the story uh, and how uh, Joseph Smith said that quote. Uh, Brigham Young reiterates the, the same thing. It talks about how leaders are to, to lead, and it even gets to the point here down towards the bottom. Oh, I think we'll come back to this one. All right, I'm going to get rid of that one for a moment. We've got 2 Nephi. Um, this is 2 Nephi chapter 10. This is verse 23. Therefore, cheer up your hearts, like be happy, and remember that ye are free to act for yourselves, to choose the way of everlasting death or the way of eternal life. Be happy because your salvation and exaltation, you get to be the, the, uh, the person who decides. Nobody else gets to impose on you that you don't make it to exaltation. You get to act for yourself. You get to choose the way. And as long as you're a decent person inside 
and you value wanting to get back to Heavenly Father and being exalted eternally with your family, then you're going to figure it out. And yet, again, this modern moment, you can start to sense the sort of pressure that's being added that would nudge somebody to feel forced to have to make a choice rather than really being free to act for yourself. Uh, so there's that one. Here is um, the the church's uh, website page, their study uh, of the scriptures page on agency. Now, by the way, you can see up here that it, it free agency is the search that you do. And what they automatically say is like, yeah, that search is valid, but we're going to automatically redirect you to the word agency. And so then you you pick agency, and here's what you get. Uh, guide to the scriptures, account, accountability, accountable, free freedom, the ability and privilege God gives to people to choose and act for themselves. And you get all of the scripture references. But again, the ability and privilege to choose and act for yourself. Here's the governing ones. This is Elder William uh, R. Bradford. Let's see here. F agency. The most basic fundamental principle of truth that upon which the entire plan of God is founded is free agency. As an individual, you have the right to govern yourself. You have the right to govern yourself. It is divinely given to you to think and act as you wish. It is your decision. It must be pointed out, however, that although you have free agency to choose for yourself, that's the opposite of what Elder Bednar just taught. He said you are not free to do what you want. He says when you join the church, you are obligated to do what Christ and God tell you to do. Um, it must be pointed out that although you have free agency to choose for yourself, you do not have the right to choose what will be the result of your decision. Sure, we all get that. Like they, they act as if you don't know this already. You already know that whatever choices you make will have consequences. We learn that as kids. The time of treating us uh, as children, that has to stop. Real, honest conversations about the theology and doctrines and history that are behind us and why we're teaching something different in the modern moment should be had. Again, seven and eight-year-olds certainly don't understand it, nor do potential investigators as they prepare for baptism understand it. And in fact, my gut would tell me that we still teach those two groups agency the way I'm talking about at the present moment that's on the screen right now. So this whole idea, you don't have, um, uh, you, you don't have the chance to pull, you know, to, to pick the uh, repercussions of your choices, but you do have the right to make the choice. Uh, often in this, in many of these talks, the wording is free will um, that is mentioned. Um, there's Helaman, 
14, verse 30. And now remember, remember, my brethren, that whosoever perisheth, perisheth unto himself. And whosoever doeth iniquity, doeth it unto himself. For behold, ye are free. Ye are permitted to act for yourselves. For behold, God hath given unto you a knowledge, and he hath made you free. You are free. You are permitted to act for yourselves. For behold, God hath given you a knowledge, and he hath made you free. God gives you the information. You have the right to make the choices without being uh, forced or coerced or having compulsion upon you to do any one of these things. Um, so that's good. And he hath given unto you that you might know good from evil. He hath given you, you might choose life or death. So, yeah, I mean, it, it comes with consequences, but you have the right to choose. Um, this is Doctrine and Covenants, uh, 58, verse 27. Verily I say, men should be anxiously engaged in a good cause and do many things of their own free will and bring to pass much righteousness. For the power is in them, wherein they are agents unto themselves. This is a phrase that we have gotten uh, a bunch in decades past. It is certainly something I was raised with a phrase that I knew and had remembered, agents unto themselves. For the power is in them, wherein they are agents unto themselves, and inasmuch as men do good, they shall in no wise lose their reward. Again, don't have control of consequences, but we are uh, agents unto ourselves, free to act. Uh, so there's that one. Here is Robert D. Hales. This isn't too long ago, right? This guy died uh, 10 years ago uh, or less, and uh, all of a sudden we've got uh, you know new leaders being called into the 12, and he was one of the guys that passed away that allowed some of our recent leaders to, to join uh, the Quorum of the Twelve. Um, so let me find here uh, what he says. Let's go. Gift and blessings of agency. He taught men are instructed sufficiently that they know good from evil. This sacred instruction began in the heavens. There is a grand council. Our heavenly father would continue the gift of agency to prove us here in mortality to see if we will do all things whatsoever the Lord God shall command. But Satan opposed God's plan. So he's talking about the plan again. Um, the third part of the host of heaven used their agency to reject God's plan. <clears throat> all of us, this here's the quote I like, all of us, uh, make mistakes. That is why Lehi, who understood the Savior's role, it's, by the way, it's the whole reason for Jesus. Even the best of us, when allowed to choose freely, we are going to make mistakes. Thank goodness there's a Savior who we can come to and go, hey, I repent of this. My heart wasn't in the right place in this moment. I made a choice I shouldn't have made. I'm really sorry for that. I'm going to try again. It's the reason we have an atonement. It's the reason we have Jesus Christ. Because in a plan that gives people the freedom to choose, it is 
certain that every single person is going to, throughout their life, make bad choices. And so God provides a way in which we can get ourselves clean from that and still be able to live with him again. All of us make mistakes. That is why Lehi, who understood the Savior's role in preserving and reclaiming our agency, taught Jacob and us, quote, the Messiah cometh in the fullness of times that he may redeem the children of men from the fall. And because they are redeemed from the fall, they have become free forever, knowing good and from evil. Free. Yes, they took the word free away from agency because they said free agency never showed up in the scriptures. But the reality is that the word free connected to the word agency absolutely is present in the scriptures. They have become free forever, knowing good from evil to act. Agency is the uh, is the fact that you are free to act for themselves and not be acted upon. Elder Bednar said this. He said, it is your right to act and not to be acted upon. But then Elder Bednar is in his very teaching acting upon you. That is the key, to act for themselves and not be acted upon, to be taught good principles and to govern themselves. That's the key. So there's that one. Uh, Agency and accountability. What is agency? Again, church's website, current moment. Agency is the ability and privilege God gives to us to choose and to act for ourselves. Agency is essential to the plan of salvation. Without agency, we would not be able to learn or progress or follow the Savior. If we don't have agency, we are thwarting the plan of salvation, and it is very clear what agency is. With it, we are free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediator of all men, or to choose captivity in the devil according to captivity and power. Of the devil. In our pre-mortal life, we had moral agency. One purpose of earth life is to show what choices we will make. If we were forced to choose the right, we would not be able to show what we would choose for ourselves. You have to have the freedom to say yes or no. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to show what you would choose for yourself. Also, we are happier doing things when we have made our own choices. Notice what the church has taught over and over and over again up to this present moment. There it is again. I teach them correct principles and they govern themselves. Honoring the agency of those we lead. Lesson number two. This is the study manual, Principles of Leadership. Okay? Let me me read a couple quotes here, and we'll find a section in this article. But let me read a couple quotes here first. Um, Now, none of us... Now, none of us are on the narrow path all the time. All of us make mistakes. Again, we talk about that. This is why Lehi, who understood the Savior's role. Again, freedom to choose means we're going to make mistakes. 
Um, here, Wilford Woodruff, free agency is an everlasting principle. And I think this is actually in this article. Let me look here. Maybe it's not. Sorry about the beeping if you guys heard that. Um, I'll read it here. Free agency is an everlasting principle. This is Wilford Woodruff, Discourses of Wilford Woodruff, Bookcraft, 1969. I'm sure it's in the Wilford Woodruff journals. That's where most of this stuff comes from in the Discourses of Wilford Woodruff. Uh, Quote, free agency is an everlasting principle which has existed with God from all eternity. It is a gift from him with the hope that we will apply it wisely in the conduct of our personal lives. Freedom of choice is a moral agency which we keep should keep the uppermost in our minds and our all of our activities and decisions. Uh, by virtue of this agency, you and I and all mankind are made responsible beings, responsible for the course we will pursue, the lives we live, the deeds we do in the body. Each individual has agency and they are responsible for the course they pursue, the life they live, and the deeds they do. Wilford Woodruff. Um, okay, let me see if another phrase is in this and see if this is the one. Oh, not that either. Okay, so it says um, this is from J. Reuben Clark, 1949. This morning, when he called attention to certain influences that are at work amongst us, um, freedom of worship. Let's see here. Sorry, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm a little all over the place. I made a whole list of all of these and then uh, pulled up all of the links, and I should have done a little better job of connecting these to which links they went to. But here is what he says. We claim the privilege of worshiping Almighty God according to the dictates of our own conscience and allow all men the same privilege. Let And this is, you know, this is stuff we've heard in Mormonism over and over and over again. Um, we claim the privilege of worshiping Almighty God according to the dictates of our own conscience and allow all men the same privilege. Let them worship how, where, and what they may. That is the expression of a great principle, a principle that has been operative among the children of God from the earliest period of which we have any record. It was pursuant to that principle in the exercise of rights guaranteed thereby that a third of the host of heaven revolted in an effort to overcome the plan which God adopted. Personally, this is still him talking, personally, I would not in any way, in the lightest or slightest degree, hamper anyone's free agency. Literally, I feel and believe that men should worship how, where, and what they may That is the spirit of the priesthood, the priesthood which we hold. The priesthood never compels. God himself does not compel the intellect, nor does he attempt to overthrow it. J. Reuben Clark, 1949. Um, So you get that from him. Okay. Um. In this one here, agency and accountability, uh, we read about God's plan, the consequences, whether good or bad, natural, follow as a natural result of the choice we make. Um, Let me read this part. Let me find it in here, because this, I think, is in this one. Control F. uh, Agency is is essential. Uh, I think we read that. 
Agency was one of the principal issues to arise in the pre-mortal council in heaven. It was one of the main causes of conflict between the followers of Christ and the followers of Satan. The Lord has said that all people are responsible for their own motives, attitudes, desires, actions. Even though we are free to choose a course of action, we are not free to choose the consequence of our actions. The consequences, whether good or bad, follow as a natural result of any choice we make. So there's another one. Uh, in this article, it also says, uh, I'll find this one here. If we were forced to choose the right, we would not be able to show what we would choose for ourselves. We read that one earlier as well. All right, let me move on. We have the DNC 121, no power or influence can or ought to be maintained by the power of the virtue, um, by the power, I'm sorry, maintained by virtue of the priesthood only by persuasion, by long suffering, by gentleness and meekness, and by love unfeigned. So we can find that one in this article. So no power right there. So DNC 121 verses 37, 41. Um, no power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood. Remember, Elder Bednar holds the priesthood. Is he using long-suffering gentleness in meekness and love unfeigned? Or is he using shame, uh, coercion, uh, compulsion, and manipulation in a guilt trip in order to get uh, people to get in line. Um, so there's just to note that. Um, there's this article. Whoops, let me put that up here. Um, this is uh, Leslie Stone. Uh, this was a uh, 1979 General Conference talk from October. In opposition to Satan's plan of compulsion, Satan's plan is one of compulsion. Juxtapose that against no power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood only by persuasion, by long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness, by love unfeigned. Um, because that's the opposite of Satan's plan of compulsion. And then the very last one um, that I've got here, uh, and I should have put those back up on the screen. I'm really sorry, folks, for, for those who didn't see that, but I'll just show you here really quick. Uh, no power or influence ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood, only by persuasion, by long suffering, gentleness, meekness. And then here's the talk by uh, Leslie Stone, uh, 1979, October. And right there it is, in opposition whoop, in opposition to Satan's plan of compulsion. So we understand what the opposite of these are. And it is very clear that Mormonism has been consistent. By the way, challenge me if you want to. Go read about free agency. Use the site I gave you here. And go read all of those references and see if they teach something different than what I've explained here. Um the church has tried to be clear up until the modern moment that we're going to teach you good principles 
you get to govern yourself, that the way a good LDS priesthood leader should lead is by long-suffering and meekness and gentleness and love unfeigned, and it should not be a plan of compulsion. And with that, we can go back here to uh, David Bednar, and we can play this one more time and ask yourself if he's teaching free agency the way that the church has taught it up to this modern moment. Agency is the least understood of all gospel principles. It is taught incorrectly often, and it leads people to behave in ways that are not appropriate. As I listen to members of the church all over the world, this is how they define agency. It's the ability to choose, and I can do what I want. That's false. Why do we have... First off, that's not false. You do have agency to do what you want. It, you, you are to be raised in the world to understand good from evil. You are to have choices placed before you. And you are free to act and not to be acted upon. And you are free to make choices, not choose the consequences. And because you'll make mistakes, there's been a savior presented. Have agency. Go find in the Pearl of Great Price, in the book of Moses, God's explanation for why we have agency. Like, it is to choose him, not to choose what we want, but to choose God and to love and serve each other. So he's right. God has made it clear. Again, if you believe Mormonism, if you start with that, that conclusion. He's right. Agency is in place to see if you will choose God. But what Elder Bednar is essentially doing, though, is he's coming in and he's, um, whereas you have agency so that you can, because you're an individual person, just as uh, some of the quotes we read, where you have your own motives, you have your own experience, you have your own uh, life history, because you are a unique human being on planet Earth, and you are not like any other human being on planet Earth. The way in which you navigate making good choices will not look exactly the same as any other human on the planet. It's why we all have to be able to act for ourselves. And what he's doing is he's coming in and saying, uh, rather than allow the nuance of every human being to make decisions about what is right and what is wrong, which is the whole point, and it's what Mormonism taught in all the quotes I've shared up to this point, is that Elder Bednar is saying, no, 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 no. You join the church, and the decisions are already there. These are the decisions you need to make, and now you're obligated to make them. And so you can only use your agency to do the things that uh, you have to do. Now, buckle up. Are you buckled up? Okay, here we go. When you and I enter the baptismal covenants, there are three conditions of the covenant. A willingness to take upon ourselves the name of Christ, a commitment to always remember him, and a commitment to keep the commandments. We learn about those elements of the covenant, and we exercise our agency to accept those conditions of the covenant. We then are promised that if we honor the covenant, we may always have God's Spirit to be with us. Okay. 
as we pledge our willingness to take upon ourselves the name of Christ. That begins in the waters of baptism. It begins. We do not wholly and totally take upon ourselves the name of Christ in the not waters of baptism. Not. We begin. Where do we more fully take upon ourselves the name of Christ? In templo. There's a pathway from the baptismal font to the templo. Al templo. And there is increasing blessings by the power of the Holy Ghost that come into our life. As we begin to have the name of Christ come upon us through ordinances and covenants, we have a new family name, Christian. And with that name, we are to represent him at all times and in all places and in all things. Now, this is why you need to be buckled up. When we enter into that covenant and begin to have the name of Christ come upon us, our agent... I don't even know what it means to have the name of Christ come upon us. Like we, you know, we essentially enjoy the Holy Ghost and we work to become like Christ and we we promise to take his name upon us. In other words, I am willing to be representative of Christ. I am going to try to act in the world as Christ would act. By the way, for any believer out there listening to this, would you do me a favor sometime in the next year? Try to take your Mormon lens off and set it off to the side. Pick up the New Testament. Read it all the way through with a, uh, with a uh, eagerness to understand who Jesus Christ really was and how he handled various situations in his life without having imposed on you the certain way Mormonism frames him and what his motives are and who he preaches against and who he calls to repentance. Instead, go into the scriptures and just read it for what it is and see if anything changes for you. So I understand you more fully, um, again, I don't know what hit words he used here, um, to have the name of Christ come upon us. Again, I take the name of Christ upon me because I'm essentially uh, agreeing to have the world see that I am trying to be like Christ and I'm trying to represent him and I'm willing to be accountable to that. The way he's framing it here just seems like it's not normal Mormon language. Christ come upon us. Our agency is enlarged. It's no longer individual agency. It is enlarged to become representative agency. There's this argument from Mormonism, Boyd K. Packer, I think in 92 and, and several times up into this moment, where these guys say, look, free agency is not real. It's not located in the scriptures anywhere. By the way, neither is representative agency. That's also not in the scriptures. Yes, you uh, take upon you the name of Christ, hence you are going to try your best, your willingness, you're going to try your best to be like him. But this idea that you give up free agency and move into some other sort of agency called representative agency, um, I, I'm not... I'm not on board with one agency vanishes and another one appears and that it works the way he's saying, because you'll see how it can be used and it becomes inappropriate. So he's like one degree off 
from the way the church taught agency. And as you'll see here in a little bit, that one degree makes a significant difference. And representing Christ and his name at all times, in all places, and, and in all things, becomes more important than what we want. The reason we need to always remember him is so we can effectively represent him. The reason we need the companionship of the Holy Ghost, yes, that blesses us, but we need that companionship of the third member of the Godhead so we can represent him. We have already pledged that we will keep the commandments. Have you heard someone say, a member of the church who has entered into the baptismal covenant, I have my agency, I can do what I want. Again, the quotes that we read throughout this conversation, this episode, pointed to that as a fact. I have my agency and I can do whatever I want. Now, if I don't make the right choices, there are eternal consequences for those choices. But I am free to do whatever I want. You ever heard that? Yeah, you know what the answer is? No, you can't. You don't understand agency. You don't have agency to do whatever you want. We have the him choose the right, don't we? The hymn is called Choose the Right, not Choose What You Want. The hymn Choose the Right, we all pick up on this. When we sing that song, it is that we are feeling the encouragement, like you have the ability to choose. Please choose the right. Please consider the consequences of not choosing the right. Please choose the right. The other thing, too, is that on my version of what agency was in Mormonism is that you have the ability to decide what is right. You have the ability inside to go, hey, this is the right thing for me. I'm going to say no to this calling. I'm going to not go to that meeting because it's my dad's birthday party. You have the ability to decide to act rather than to be acted upon and to decide what is the choices that you're going to make that are good. When the song is sung, choose the right, we're, we're all recognizing our brains that it's telling us that we've got to make choices. We've got to make sure we're paying close attention to the Holy Ghost so that we know right from wrong, but it is up to us. We are agents unto ourselves. It is up to us to choose the right, what is right and what is wrong. Um, but we've been taught, we have the commandments, that the church has given us good principles. Um, again, he's one degree off, and you're going to see how this plays out. So from tonight on, don't ever use a misunderstood concept of agency to justify sin. You can't just choose what you want. And when you begin to understand that principio, then you're on the road to becoming spiritually self-reliant, dependent upon God, and devoted to representing him all the time. Now, I want to say this in terms that I hope won't be scary, but they're true. If after By the way, when you tell people that you hope this isn't scary, and then tell them something that you know they will understand is scary, Notice on some level the fear mongering, like you're scaring somebody and guilting somebody into uh, jumping on board with your way of doing things. 
After having entered into the covenant, we don't abide by the conditions of the covenant. So, for example, if you and I don't pay our tithing, do we have the option not to pay our tithing? Carlos Diemos? No. No. It's breaking a covenant. It is not. Yeah, a covenant you made at eight years old. A covenant you made um, investigating the church completely naive to its full history uh, and theology and doctrine. Um, and he's saying you don't have the option because you promised at seven years old, a week before your eighth birthday, when you were getting ready for your baptism on the Sunday after your birthday, you promised you would pay a full tithe the rest of your life. It's, it's not appropriate to hold over people's heads decisions they made when they still believed in Santa Claus. And again, he's framing this very close to what Mormonism used to teach, but it's just enough different that it can lead to abuse of the members of the church. The exercise of agency anymore. Because what happened to our individual agency? It was enlarged. Now Wait, it's did you see what he just said? Him. Of age. It's breaking a covenant. It is not the exercise of agency anymore. It's not the exercise of agency anymore. Because you made a covenant at seven years old or as a naive, ignorant investigator. And now you are obligated to do that thing the rest of your life. Otherwise, you are a covenant breaker. And now he's about to scare the hell out of you because you're not keeping the promise you made when you were seven years old, when you still believed in Santa Claus. Because what happened to our individual agency? It was enlarged. Now it's more important to represent him. Is this making sense? If some night you don't want to go to sleep, Read the scriptures and learn about what happens to covenant breakers. I guarantee you, you will not go to sleep. Now, I don't want to scare you. But he does want to scare you. It's the whole reason he's giving this entire message. He wants to scare the living hell out of you. He wants you to recognize that the only way you're getting back to Heavenly Father is if you keep all the covenants you've made even though along the path of your journey, you learn new things, you gain new perspective, and you now realize that the promises you made as a seven-year-old kid when you believed in Santa Claus or a 35-year-old man or woman who uh, the missionaries came into your home and you were completely naive and ignorant to what this church really is and what's in its history uh, all the times its own leaders have violated its doctrine and theology, the times they've disavowed the teachings in the past, the teachings that have been changed like this one. And you are now obligated to do that the rest of your life. And if you don't, you are a covenant breaker. And I don't want to scare you. But tonight, maybe, maybe some night while you can't get some sleep, maybe you should read about what happens to covenant breakers. It's not good. This is coercion. This is compulsion. This is not I teach them good principles and let them govern themselves. This is I shame and guilt you into doing the right thing. But I want you to understand this is serious. 
Agency is the center point of our mortal experience. With that, agent, with that agency, we are agents to act. That's self-reliance. We are not objects to be acted upon. That is the absence of The idea to act and not be acted upon means something in Mormonism. Notice he just redefined it. He just told you that to act and not be acted upon is to be part of representative agency where you keep every single covenant and promise and commandment that you have, that you obligated yourself to do when you couldn't have possibly known any better and, and maybe even still believed in fictional things like the tooth fairy and the Easter bunny. Self-reliant. Now, go find more in the scripture. That's just the beginning. So there's that. Um, and let's play this out a little further. I, I want you to see why this is a, uh, this is a big deal. Um, and you're going to see the exact same doctrine theology that Bednar is trying to create. You're going to see uh, it plays out here uh, in a different way. Um, and you can see this is, this is the clip that will show you why this is bad. Um, so let me uh, put this up on the screen here. Turn off the mute. Make that as loud as we can. And here we go. A little tangent here real quick. We were recently as a family having a discussion uh, about missionary work. One of my daughters was at school. She was talking with her friends about President Nelson's recent call for young men to serve missions and the friends there at the lunch table were debating the young men have to go by the way being called to go on a mission when someone calls you on the phone you don't have to answer you also can hang up when when you are called to something in the church it's an opportunity the idea of having an opportunity means we also still have the choice to say no. Um, but anyway, we'll continue. Or is it a choice? Now, young men, I hope you'll think about this carefully because there's an important doctrine here. Do you have a choice whether to serve a mission? I'm going to tell you why you don't. Now, that might rub you the wrong way because we're so big into liberty and agency and, and we do believe we're a free, democratic kind of people, right? But here's why you don't have the choice anymore. It's because when you were baptized, you signed on to the Lord's plan, which is giving up free agency and accepting moral agency. You see how a little twist in the doctrine of agency can suddenly be used to exercise compulsion on another person and to shame them and guilt them into doing the thing you want them to do. Again, we went through church manual lessons that said leading in the Lord's way and that it was never to be done the way this guy here is saying it. And notice his justification is the exact same theology that David Bednar just taught. And if that you think that's a coincidence, then I've got some land in Florida to sell you. 
because it's not a coincidence. And, and we can show that this isn't just uh, one guy who happened to maybe listen to Bednar and is doing this on his own going rogue. No, behind the scenes, there is an effort right now to change the definition of agency and to do so in ways that now will compel members of the church to feel shame and guilt and do the things the church needs them, wants them to do. Um, to me, this is insane. The difference being that we give up thinking that we know for ourselves what is best in our lives, and we trust the Lord to give us the direction that is best for us in our lives. And so, young man, if that sounds like foreign doctrine to you, I hope you'll reconsider the importance. It sounds like foreign doctrine this little twisted way of doing it. It sounds like foreign doctrine because we've never heard it before this way. This is now being taught slightly different and it makes a, a world of difference when you understand all the tangents it can go off into. The reason it sounds foreign to the reason he's prepping the audience. I know this might sound foreign to you. It's because it does. It is foreign to them. So that baptismal and sacramental covenant where every week we come to church and we say, I'm giving up what I think is best. And I trust the Lord to guide and direct me in my life. And his will becomes paramount. And no longer is what we want the most important thing in our lives. We recognize that what the Lord can give us is much greater so let's go to something else here really quick, which is about a week ago or so, um, and I hope that it at least got my last comment, but um, a week or so ago, I prefer not to give my name, but I wanted to make you aware that today as a fifth Sunday lesson, every bishop, now the fact that he knows every bishop, I'm going to assume, and again, if this were given by itself, I might doubt that it's legitimate. Combined with what Elder Bednar taught, combined with what um, uh, this stake leader just taught on the video, uh, I want to note that I believe this is legitimate. I prefer not to give my name, but I wanted to make you aware that today is a fifth Sunday lesson. Every bishop was required to give a lesson on how no young man has a choice to serve a mission. It's a requirement. We go to a young single adult ward where the bishop presented this exact information and told everyone this is what he was told to preach or told to teach. Sorry. Again, I don't know who this is, but you can bet your ass that they are one of the leaders who got trained to give the lesson and then went and gave it. Could be the bishop, could be a member of the bishopric, could be a member of a stake presidency who was present, could be a high councilman. Regardless, whoever this person is, they know that this lesson was given to all bishops to go teach. The very lesson this guy gave, by the way, you also have to pick up on this. When this stake leader is saying these things, when you're a normal member in the pews, you have this idea in your head that this guy is smart. He's formulated all of this uh, theological wrestling and worked out, and he's coming and standing in front of you, and he's presenting this uh, cool concept that he understands because he is a priesthood leader and he's inspired and he understands how the church works. When in reality, when I was a bishop, the stake president would come to us and say, hey, uh, the guys above me are teaching me this and I'm giving it to you and you go forward and teach this to your ward. 
And there's so many times you had raised my eyebrow and I'd be like, that, that seems to counter some other idea that's going on in Mormonism, but whatever, everybody has their thing. And, but when you hear that state guy stand up and teach elder Bednar's um, theology about agency, recognize that he's not doing that in a vacuum, that instead somebody above him has helped him to understand this way of putting it together and then has told him to go out and to tell everyone they have to go on a mission. That's the message that's going on right now. And, and so then to combine that with one more thing, which is this, and we'll wrap up here and we'll close it out on, on this note. Um, let's see if I can make this a little bigger. All right. With that, Elder Nelson flew to Washington. This is the president of the church in the current moment. This is what he did in the past. This is what he said in the past. In this present moment, he has okayed on some level this now uh, proliferation of every all the local leaders going out teaching this new theology around agency that Elder Bednar seems to have initiated and uh, allows the local leaders of the church to impose that young men do not have a choice to serve a mission. Uh, with that, Elder Nelson flew to Washington, D.C., and at the appointed hour appeared before key policymakers at the Internal Revenue Service. During the discussion, one person after another characterized missions for young Latter-day Saint men as a rite of passage, and that as such, funds to support a mission should not qualify as a deduction for charitable giving. The phrase, rite of passage, caught, El caught Elder Nelson's attention, and after hearing it repeated several times, he asked for clarification. I'm not sure I know, I understand what you mean by rite of passage, he said to the Board of Inquiry. If a rite of passage is meant to indicate something that every young Latter-day Saint man must do, then I think you have misunderstanding about that. I am a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, and I did not serve a full-time mission. What he's saying is, <clears throat> hey, IRS, you ought to not look at LDS missions as mandatory because they're not. The church wants to have it both ways. And when you understand that they are abusing the system to do whichever thing benefits them, you now recognize why this theology about agency that is being created in the modern moment is atrocious, unhealthy, and now when you see it in this light, dishonest and deceptive. I hope that everybody that listens to this and views this will have the ability to get the word out that the believers and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you're being scammed here. You don't have to tolerate this new way of seeing agency. It is not honest, and it doesn't respect or honor what agency has been in this church for 200 years. 
And with that, I will close out the episode. I hope that every one of you have a great day. And I hope that we continue to shine a light on this thing and hold it accountable to the teachings it has given, to the history that has already occurred, and to the people who have suffered uh, shame, uh, trauma, depression, hurt, uh, family disruption, giving so much to this thing when it pretends it's been consistent and stable on what it proclaims and what it believes and what it what it says is the true gospel of Jesus Christ, recognizing that every day it is trying to shift and change and move and be something different than it was. Until next time, this is Bill Real with Mormon Discussion. Thank you.